your Calgary Flames only play here. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Through 60 minutes and beyond the Flames talk. Post-game show starts now. Live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. All right, your final score here at the Scotiabank. Saddledome, the Flames fall 2-1 in overtime to the Edmonton Oilers in what was a, a strange hockey game at the Scotiabank Saddledome on a Friday night. We are underway on your Flames Talk post-game show. Pat Steinberg uh, around the table with Corey Sarich and Derek Wills. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation for all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Flames Talk postgame available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, live right here after every game on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Um, before we uh, get too much into the game, I need a review from Corey Sarich on uh, night one in the booth uh, beside Derek. How would uh, it go up there? Well, it was cruising along pretty smoothly kind of like the flames game up until the very end of the third period and then there was some (laughs) mass confusion and uh i don't know i feel a little bit like a hypocrite i was giving the flames some advice down on the ice you know when things start reeling (laughs) slow it down reset maybe dump it in play the body that kind of stuff and uh got a little confused on those two non-goals but uh I just think I would think my descriptions were fairly accurate. Just uh, had them completely backwards. So You're kind too of hard un- on yourself. You did uh, a great job. Unraveled in the end. You were my second star because you only had uh, thankfully two to choose from. <laughs> no, it was fun. Uh, great to have you up in the Peter Mar Radio Broadcast booth, sponsored by South Point Toyota. But you know, Pat, to Corey's point, it was a weird hockey game, and. Remember how after Sunday's game against the Canucks, a 10-0 Flames win, we said this is pretty much the polar opposite of what we saw last season? Tonight, I thought, was kind of what we saw last season. Flames outshoot, outchance, outplay their opponent, and score one goal. Remind you of some games bit. we saw last yeah, season as well? Bit. Yeah, so with that, on that note, it makes me wonder then, just like I said earlier with the Blue Jays, we're watching them on the Jumbotron before the game, and when I don't watch, they seem to score runs, and <laughs> I don't know, I, I'm feeling like a, like a bad omen here. I, I saw too many of those games at the Dome last year, and uh, things were rolling along. I get in here, I get to come do a game, and kind of all things go crazy right at the very end, but uh, I, I hope I'm not the I hope I'm not the jinx out there, but uh, <laughs> Calgary Flames, I mean, they look good for the majority of that game right until the very end. We got to give, and we have give Jack Campbell a little yeah. bit of love. He made some stops early in the night tonight. So didn't quite go their way, but there were still lots of great things out there by the Calgary Flames. So let's get into that then. What uh, and, and look, the, the end of the game was strange. I get they were probably trying to practice their challenges. Just kind of went <laughs> against them. They challenged the, the no goal that was called off on the ice for goalie interference. They challenged it to see if they could get it to go their way because they lost the challenge. Oilers go on the power play, score the, the power play goal, and then eventually win the game in overtime. Um, but what were, the, what were the good things? What do we take away? What do we like about the Flames out there tonight? Well, first of all, I want to address the challenge. I'm not sure they challenged that in the regular season. Up by a goal late in the third period, because if you lose, you're down a man and you're giving the other team a power play with a chance to tie it. So I think you're bang on, Pat. I think they were practicing their challenge. And in defense of Jamie Pringle, if this was a regular season game and Sportsnet's TV crew was in the building, they would have had a lot of different looks. Yep. 
And, hey, don't get me wrong, the Flames TV crew did a great job putting this game together tonight, but they just don't have the same resources that uh, a broadcaster does. So uh, I'm guessing that probably played a factor in, in how it all went down. But I thought the Flames played a pretty good game. They just didn't have a lot of puck luck early when they spent a lot of time in the offensive zone. Uh, they had some great chances. And you're playing against an Oilers team that you should probably – not only beat, but beat handily. But, uh, hey, I give the orders credit. They sent their B or C squad, and, you know, they loitered here tonight and, and found a way to win it in the end. Uh, just about to, uh, for the first time on our Flames Talk postgame show, uh, welcome in new Flames assistant coach, Mark Savard. It's uh, Derek, Pat, Corey around the table. I'm sure you know Corey. Yeah. Um, but uh, Pat, Derek, Corey around the table. Mark Savard is with us right now. First of all, welcome. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me. How'd you, uh, how, how do you look at that one tonight? What, uh, what do you take away from tonight's game against the Oilers? Um, you know, it's still preseason. Um, you know, I thought it was a good effort for the most part. Uh, Vladdy looked sharp behind us. Obviously, the goalie was good. Um, special teams, I, you know, I thought our power play generated some stuff. We didn't get any results, but that'll come down the road here, just getting used to guys. But uh, overall, you know, it's still preseason. Yeah. Our big boys, we would love to see a little bit more. But, again, it is uh, it is what it is. But, again, we'll, we'll look at it, the tape and, and build from here. Corey? We were just talking about a few of the bright spots for the Calgary Flames, and I thought the puck movement tonight by the power play was excellent. So you've brought been brought in, Mark, to kind of help maybe retool, get these guys some different looks. Is Are those little wins for you when you see that type of puck movement out there and a little bit of continuity within the power play? Yeah, we've been working on it. Uh, you know, we had a special teams day yesterday, so we're seeing a lot of good things. Um, you know, I'm I'm trying to bring a lot of simplicity to it because I know they struggled a lot last year. So just being really detailed with with what I'm showing them and and drawing pictures. I've been drawing a lot of pictures lately, but uh, <laughs> a lot of pictures so they know what routes they're going. And uh, it's coming together here. I think we're going to have a good year on the power play. I, I like the the pieces we have to work with. Um, again, a little more shooting, I think, at times. I, I thought we passed up a lot of great A's. Um, but, again, it's coming, and, and I, like I said, I think we'll have a good season on the power play. Mark, I thought last season the Flames' power play was too static at time. You'd have five guys just kind of standing in one spot and, and not moving, and you, know, you allow the penalty kill to kind of get into that box and stay there. So far in the preseason, there's been a lot of movement. Is that one of the things you're focusing on? Yeah, that's huge. You know, if the puck's not moving, we're moving. So those are some things we've been working on. You know, I don't like to, I call it dusting, you know, two seconds too long. So we're, we're trying to get it off our tape and, and onto another guy's tape and, and move like that. Uh, the bumper's going to be really key for me. Nas in the bumper there, really moving around and being a good support guy. Uh, but again, we've got some great players in spots. We're working with it. Big thing for me, you know, is retrievals. We got to get on pucks. And and if you look now, like the percentages uh, and and from going back is you score a lot off retrievals. So as soon as you get get a rebound that goes in the corner, let's turn and let's attack the net. Never mind getting back to our setup and and like you're saying, stagnant and be slow. We're trying to score right away. Let's take those pucks because that's when the defense is broken down. They're all coming to force. Now we get it. Let's turn it to the net and try and score. So we'll get better as it goes on. But but I'm liking what I'm seeing. We're chatting with Mark Savard, Flames assistant coach. I want to ask you about that that kind of right now the one unit that you're working with, the four forwards, Kadri, Lindholm, Sharon Govich, and Huberdo, and then Rasmus at the point. Have, have you liked the way they have started to mesh together? And, and I guess what do you like about that personnel on the PP1? Well, we got a bit of everything. You know, we got uh, we got a, one of the best passes in the league, obviously. 
We got Lindholm as a you know a sneaky nice little snapshot over there. Uh, Raz at the top who, who who moves the puck well. Uh, you know I like to see him shoot a bit more. And I think Kadri going back to his days even back to the Leafs even in Colorado he's a great bumper and uh, he's great at that. Sharon Govich at the Nets new for me. It would be nice to have a righty down there just to move it, but uh, we don't really have a guy right at the moment that that can do that. So we got to get used to working with him. So we might see some different guys there at times, but right now uh, that's the look we're going with and. Uh, like I said, I think it's going to come together pretty good. Lots of great things out there by the by the team tonight. Good effort. You're you're getting right down to the crunch in that game. You're getting down to the three and a half, three minute mark. You're up by a goal. Old school. That's what I am. Defensively skewed. That's what I what I am. <laughs> in in uh, my view of hockey, for me, it takes a mindset at that point to get the job done maybe simplify a few little things. Like I even was focusing on uh, Kadri's pass back to the blue line um, with about two and a half minutes to go. It was a shaky one that almost uh, turned into an opportunity the other way. You were much more on the offensive side of the puck, but do you still have an old school way of thinking, Mark, when it comes down to stuff like those situations in a game? Is that where you go and you lock it down or do you keep pressing? I just, I like to hear other people's views on how the game should be played at those critical situations. Yeah, you know, I think a one nothing game, it might be a little different than most situations. Uh, you know, I, I was on Nas there for that, that turnover too that you're talking about. But again, I, I, I think, a, you know, there's a, it's a tough line nowadays. I think, you know, you watch a lot of teams that sit back when they have the lead and it, it seems to cave in at times. So there's a happy medium there. We still want to stay aggressive, but we want to be smart. We got to have a good F3. I, I, I think tonight for the most part, obviously, you know, we ran into, we, we called the goal tried to call that goal back you know a little bit of bad luck and then the, you know no goal we thought he was guided in maybe pushed in a bit so that's what we were going with didn't turn our way and then the game just flipped they score on the on the power play there and then you know we still think we score with zero seconds left there and so <laughs> yeah. a couple of bad breaks late and it kind of snowballed but even on their goal if you watch you know our goalie sucks the guy in he's all the way in we get a three on two the other way that guy's late coming back we we turn it over and then they're back in so bad break but for the most part like you said there's stuff to build off of here you know we still haven't seen our full lineup we got another game i think we're going uh, our next game uh you know it'll be probably maybe a little thinner lineup and then we're probably going to be loaded for the last two so it'll be interesting to see when we get all the guys together but i know they need a break here i think it's a day off tomorrow here regroup re, you know we've had a good training camp and, and go from there mark you thought the game at a high level as a player and obviously still do as a coach and another guy who i've heard that about is matt coronado he's 20 years old he's got one nhl regular season game under his belt he sounds mature and to me he looks mature as a player is that fair and, and what do you like about his game well, I love him. I, I, I've loved everything about him. You know, he, he's got that shot, you know, obviously, and he can get it off in, in, in all situations. Uh, you know, I, I think there's going to be a need at some point here to find him a guy that's going to get him the puck. Uh, you know, I love Nas, but Nas, you know, doesn't distribute as much. So maybe we'll look for some other for some other units moving forward. But, uh, yeah, the kid's going to be a player. Uh, you know, he, he reminds me of a Christopher Stieg. I don't know if you – he's a very similarity to him. I had Chris in Boston. He was down in Providence most of the time, and then he got traded to Chicago. But I see a lot of similarities, and that's a pretty good hockey player. There we had him here too. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Final thought, how, how is it coming – like, how is the 
comfort level getting used to a new old city like how is it coming along with the organization coaching staff and and moving back to calgary yeah i'm really loving it uh, the city's changed from 23 <laughs> years ago that's for sure uh i'm in marta loop there what a gorgeous area i don't think it existed when i was here so i'm really liking that uh yeah i'm just trying to have a lot of fun you know uh, get these guys smiling I, you know i try and bring that energy to practice and and really change the atmosphere around here because I've, I've heard some some different things so uh we'll keep that on a low but i'm just i'm having fun every day and, and trying to keep the guys lighthearted. you know even my power play meetings i'm always putting a joke or two in there and it keeps the guys you know smiling so uh, we're having a lot of fun and uh hopefully it continues on most all season thanks for doing this mark appreciate it thanks for having me guys thank mark you. savard flames uh, assistant coach joining us here on our flames talk post game show following a 2-1 overtime loss to the edmonton <laughs> oilers here at the scotia bank saddle dome uh this is mark savard who uh that's some great insight some really good insight on the power play and uh, i like that question about the the mindset late and uh that's uh, i always like when we get to go two players who played and hear them talk and i, I always like sitting back and listening. i figured i was going to get the answer that i was going to get though for mark and he uh he kind of almost beat around the bush a little bit on it a very offensive mind in the game and it was it's been fun to, to watch mark out at practices and the little tidbits of information he's been giving to the guys and still such a sweet set of mitts so i figured i'd get a pretty offensively skewed answer <laughs> from my defensively directed question yes it's good that's a good way of putting it an offensive <laughs> answer from my defensive question you know it's interesting and this isn't me trying to take a shot at, at Daryl Sutter because he did some great things here during his two tenures behind the Flames bench. But Mark Savard adding some different wrinkles to the power play. And Flames didn't spend a lot of time practicing the power play last season. They also didn't spend any time practicing three-on-three. And they practiced that yesterday. They've had three opportunities to, to get some work in because three of their games have gone to overtime, two to shootouts. So I think kind of tackling some of the things that the team struggled with last year, like the power play and like three-on-three -three overtime in the preseason, even if you don't win the hockey game, uh, getting those reps in, it's important, isn't it, Corey? Yeah, and doesn't it seem like a no-brainer? Like if you really break down and you look at last season and you're like, what are some of the glaring reasons why this team wasn't a playoff team? And first and foremost was the squandered points. Mm-hmm in yep. all the extra sessions. So why are you not out there practicing? To me, that just seems like absolute right at the, absolutely right at the front. Um, yeah, getting reps is, is a big thing. It's what athletes are great at. It's all the touches, all the familiarity. It's just, it's what you use exhibition season for to get ready for the regular season. It's what you use practice for to fine tune all of your skills. So to me, yeah, if it's part of the game, practice it yeah mm -hmm. final score uh two one oilers beat the flames in this preseason battle of alberta uh in overtime here at the scotia bank saddle dome phone lines are open if you're listening live at 403-240-4444 text line open at 960-960 we'll get to you very shortly our marquee matchup in the pregame show brought to you by country hills toyota we were talking about matt coronado and his opportunity playing on that line with nazim kadri and dylan dubé thought he had some moments in the game thought that there were some stretches where he he got himself in good position but guys what do we think of of coronado in his best opportunity yet line mates wise in the preseason i thought he was okay tonight uh certainly didn't pop tonight like he did on sunday night but playing against a little bit better team the canucks probably sent their d squad e squad sunday and this was i would say the orders b or c squad probably c uh in fairness but he's just gonna have to keep ramping it up 
and, and I think he's going to be on the team. I, I would be surprised at this point, especially with the injury to Jacob Pelche, yeah. if Matt Coronado wasn't uh, on the opening night roster and probably in the opening night lineup. But I actually really like what Mark Savard said. We've got to find someone to get him the puck. Don't you find that interesting? Oh, because Nazem Kadri, Nazem Kadri, when you think about the way he plays the game, and this isn't a knock on him, it's just who he is as a player, he likes to hold the puck. He's not a distributor. So interesting that the Flames coaches are, are thinking, okay, Coronado can shoot it. We need to find someone who can get it to him so he can shoot it. Yeah, Nazem Kadri on the two-on-one tonight elected to shoot. Mm-hmm. It's And that's not a bad thing because, you know what, we talk about number 10 and wanting him to shoot the yeah, puck exactly. more. So everyone's got their attributes. You play to your strengths. With a guy like Matthew Coronado, I'm sure the easiest thing to do is just to measure him by production, right? He comes out hot out of the gate. He's got three goals. It's like, here we go. That's a tough, pretty tough pace to keep up for a kid that's just learning the ropes right now. So you got to look at the intangibles. What's he, what's he doing right? Are, are other teams having success against him when he's on the ice? Like, is he deficient in something? Is he not getting his job done at the other end of the rink? And I don't think there's been anything that stuck nope. out negatively like that. Um, you talk about, or actually, sorry, Coach just talked about here, Mark, uh, a little bit of rest for these guys. I don't think a young guy can ever use the excuse that I'm tired or I've got I've played too much or too many exhibition games because what has he played now? Three in Penticton, and he's played them all here so far. He's played four out of the five. You can't play two in one day with the split squad Seattle. That'd be tough. But, uh, yeah, seven games in a short period of time with the learning curve and all that. We'll maybe give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt here. He could be using – a little bit of a downtime, a little bit of recharge. So tomorrow won't be, won't hurt him at all. Uh, so let's put Sarchi to the test here. It's uh, time for him to select the hardest working flame. Are you ready to go? You got your guy? I've got my, I've got my guy. Okay. Uh, the hardest working flame is brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com for the first time. Corey Sarich on the clock for the hardest working flame. Well, uh, uh, honorable mention to Jeremy Poirier. Poirier. Yeah, he had a really nice game tonight. I tried to give him two assists. They just won't because they kept taking taking goals away out there on the ice. Uh, I thought he was gritty and battled hard, even with a couple early mistakes in the first period. He stuck to it and, you know, was part of the offense tonight. Uh, but for me, because I I have trouble rewarding just the points and the things that go well. I'm going to give it to Walker Dewar. I thought that he just kind of played a, a a pleasantly solid game. Um, I thought he was complimentary on that third line. I thought he was bumping and banging. I really loved his presence around the net. And uh, for me, he was the guy that if we're just talking straight out work and kind of brings it all the time, yeah. there wasn't anybody out there that blew my mind or yeah. was super flashy. And again, I'm going with a defensively skewed <laughs> hardest worker of the game. Uh, Dewar played 15.09, two shots, uh, five attempts on the night for Walker Dewar. He is your hardest working flame. Brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. 
com as uh, we start to uh, get some final thoughts from Corey Sarich and Derek Wills around the table following this 2-1 preseason loss um, to the Oilers in overtime. Now, guys, uh, it's the as, as Mark Savard said, maybe not a stacked lineup for the final home preseason game on Monday. Then those two road games will be pretty close to the full meal deal and pretty close to the opening day lineup. And uh, final thoughts, starting with you, Corey. Three more preseason games to go, five in the books. Kind of what's the uh, what what happens now as you're trying to ramp up for the start of the regular season? This is the time where the I don't know if they're more serious, but serious moves have to happen. You've got to start to trim down, and you've got to start to put what looks like your final product on the ice. Um, I know there's going to be some hard decisions, and there's going to be those few holes to fill, like uh, a Matt Coronado. Is he somewhere in this lineup, which Derek thinks he is, and where will that be, and who is he playing with? There's that question of the that sixth spot on defense. I think you've got three candidates, maybe even more. It, it's it's really hard to narrow down who's going to fit in there, especially a, with a guy like Gilbert just on the shelf for the moment. So the only way you figure figure that stuff out is get a almost a full lineup out there and then try to piece in those last pieces of the puzzle. Get them get them in there and see how they function in almost game-like situations and and uh, or like NHL regular season situations. And you should be seeing the same from the other teams, so that's when you're going to get the great comparison. Not that tonight the Edmonton Oilers didn't put up, a, put up a great fight and have their guys out there that were competing, but you want to see your guys measured against uh, guys that they're going to see all regular yep. season long. I mean, truth be told, I was hoping that some veteran flames would pop more in this game tonight against an Oilers team that was certainly uh, a lot more talented than the Canucks team that came in here on Sunday, but no Connor McDavid, no Leon Dreisaitl, no Ryan Nugent Hopkins, no Evander Kane, no Darnell Nurse, no Matias Ekholm. I mean, they, they left most of their top players at home. But with that said, uh, Maybe if those guys had been here, some of the Flames veterans would have picked it up a little bit and uh, and really dug in. There were a handful of guys that, that stood out to me in a really positive way. I thought Michael Backlund in his first game as, as Flames captain was really strong tonight. Uh, looked like he had scored a, a goal that would have given the Flames a 2 nothing lead and uh, probably would have sealed the deal here tonight. Yeah. I thought Nazem Kadri had a lot of energy again tonight. Yeah. That certainly was good to see. And I thought Dan Vladar played a good game in goal. What do you like that 1-1 uh, goal back? Generally speaking, when pucks go through goaltenders, uh, they feel like they should have stopped it. But uh, I thought in a game where... He went long stretches without really getting tested. Uh, when he did finally get tested, uh, he was up uh, for the challenge. So uh, I would just think that he's probably got the edge on Dustin Wolf in the battle for the number two job. And uh, one guy's got to clear waivers and the other guy doesn't. So maybe it, uh, it all comes down to that. But uh, still some work to do for the Flames. Uh, no one's going to remember what their preseason record was. So uh, just get ready for the regular season, win or lose. It's always better to win than to lose. But uh, next up, uh, another good test against uh, a Jets team that the Flames played on Wednesday. And looking forward to that game on Monday. All right, boys. Have a good rest of your night. Uh, congrats on uh, night number one, Sarchi. Thank you very much, and thanks for uh, having me. It was lots of fun. That was good. Yeah, great uh, to work with you. Corey Sarich, 
Derek Wills signing off on this Friday night here on our Flames Talk post-game show following a 2-1 overtime loss to the Edmonton Oilers in preseason game number five. Let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska as he breaks down what he saw in this one tonight. I asked this more big picture than about what we just saw tonight in the finish, but what's it going to take for this team to have more success in three-on-three overtime than we saw a year ago? Yeah, part of it, a big part of it is managing managing the puck I mean even you see tonight we take some shots from the outside um, you know when it's a one-on-two or a one-on-three even and that's just giving it back to them Um, so you have to you have to keep the puck as much as you possibly can and then you have to work to build speed together so um, you saw Raz do it one time he threw it back to to Vladdy there to try to maintain possession to allow us to change that's kind of what it's about it's becoming more of a possession thing now and when you get a chance, you want to make sure that opportunity is a good one like they had. You know, we, those are situations that you don't want to give up. Something you sort of intend on practicing more? Yeah, we'll keep doing it. I mean, it's something that you have to touch on. The hard part is, in, you know, you don't have a lot of practice time as the year goes on. Um, and playing three-on-three full ice with certain players is taxing. Um, and they're typically your guys that play a lot of minutes during the game. So you have to try to pick and choose your spots. But we'll try to slide it back in for sure. How do you feel your group is in general doing with adapting to the systems changes you're making? I, I think they're getting there. Tonight was maybe one of the more disappointing nights. Like I thought we were way too passive in a lot of areas, and I thought we were way too like east-west and trying to play through people at the blue lines. Um, so I, I thought tonight was a bit of a step back from what the guys have been done to this point. So now it's a matter of kind of regrouping and, and getting focused again on, on what we have to do for – or Monday night, I guess. Can you speak to just how comfortable Osterley looks out there? Yeah, he really does, doesn't he? I mean, I, 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 and I, I will go back and I will say a lot of that has to do with Chris. You know, it's not easy for a young guy, or not a young guy, but a new guy coming in. Um, it's difficult till you find out where you fit in the group. Um, but anytime people are paired with Chris, the game seems to be a little bit easier. So I think he's done an excellent job um, so far for us, but I also think... Chris, again, is a big part of helping him um, be himself. On Jordan, what was the scouting report of the book on him coming in? Like, what kind of defenseman was he? It's funny, when he was in Bakersfield in the American Hockey League, when I was in Stockton, he was, like, one of the faster, more offensive defensemen that we would see. Uh, And I think he's kind of, his game's evolved a little bit where um, at the NHL level, maybe the offensive ability wasn't quite the same that it was earlier in his career at younger levels, so he's had to change and adapt. So now he's he's kind of become a, I, w- I don't want to say more of a defensive player, um, but he takes a lot of pride in how he checks, and he still has the offensive ability to make plays. So he's done a real good job. What have you thought of Dan Vladar's performance in uh, preseason? Yeah, so I thought Dan was excellent tonight. Like he was one of our players that stood out. You know, it's, uh, there weren't a lot of us, I should say. Dan was one guy that I thought played really well. He sort of said to us, like, the first half of that game was pretty hard to sort of stay locked in because yeah. he wasn't seeing much. Do you check on a guy at, at intermission? Do you, do you send no. the guys? <laughs> no. No. He, that's the goalie's job. Um, and there's going to be stretches like that where he doesn't get a lot of action. Then there's going to be a flurry of shots. And uh, the mark of a good goaltender is that he's, he's able to make saves when he needs to. And um, like I said, I thought there were some big saves that he made down the stretch. Unfortunately, a dumb decision. Um, we ended up losing the game. You used uh, Ilya Slavia a lot during the preseason so far. I think this was his fourth game. What have you seen from him so far that keeps getting him in the lineup? Sorry, Ryan, I didn't hear the name. Uh, Ilya. Um, you know what? He's He's been steady. 
And and I think that's what we're looking for out of him. The game in Winnipeg, I, I think he had like that one penalty kill. The shot blocks were like they kept coming and he was still eating those pucks. But I think when you look at his game, he's he's played a, a big game, like a heavier style of game, and he's kept it very simple. Tonight there was a few mistakes with the puck from him, but I think overall um, he's been he's been really good as well, and he's done what we've asked of him to do. So he's in a position too where he's pushing um, to not just um, you know be taken seriously, but he's pushing to knock someone out of a job, and I think he's done a pretty good job of that. And in three preseason games so far, a bit of a two-parter for you. I'm curious what your impressions have been of Sam Honzek, and then on top of that, talking about an 18-year-old, what yeah. these experience are going to mean as, as he kind of builds forward. Yeah, it's funny when you see the young guy. You see the, the ability he has to skate. That's one thing that's been evident. I thought the game in Winnipeg was his best game, where I thought he was he was noticeable with the puck and without it he made some good decisions with it um i i think it's uh for a young guy at times he's he's trying to figure out where he fits in a little bit and i think he's i, I don't want to say afraid to make mistakes but he doesn't want to make a mistake and sometimes uh when you play the game that way maybe he's not as assertive on the puck as as normally he would be so we want to we want to get that out of him a little bit more um try to build up that confidence and see where it goes from there the balance, Ryan, during these games, not that you don't care about winning, but the balance between kneeling down your systems versus trying to win a game in a preseason. How do you, what's the... Yeah, you always want to win. Um, there's no doubt about that. And I, I you know, I, I think more, more important than the systems for me are, are how you play within them. Like, are we skating? Are we moving the puck the right way? Are you executing? Those things are important. And, and I think in exhibition, a lot of times... Um, that's when older players would attest to it or they would probably confirm it that that's what they it takes them the long time to get back is the execution and the foot speed what they're doing within it guys are sharp upstairs right now because they're all fresh so they typically pick up the systems fairly quickly um, so it's more about the pace that they're playing at and how they are uh, with the puck coach with matt coronado he was probably one of the strongest guys when he played in the ushl or the ncaa but that's not the case in the nhl how much of an adjustment is that for him it'll be a big one and he's going to face that every day but um, you know he's a he's a competitive guy and i think he's getting an understanding of how he has to at times position himself at uh, you know there's the one play that he's going to learn as he goes where he was kind of in the slot and he got a shot deflected up into the netting well, there is an example how everything's a step quicker. So he, he's going he's gonna to improve as we move along in those situations. He's going to recognize, I don't have that extra second anymore. I'm going to get that shot away sooner. So it's things like that for him. What did you make of the ending of the game? The backland goal being waved off, the yeah. Sharagovich goal getting waved off to the tying goal and yeah. ending in overtime. A bit of a weird one to end it, even if it is preseason. Weird one, but it's just a stupid decision on my part. I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. There is head coach Ryan Huska post game and uh, putting that one on uh, on him. The uh, decision to challenge the goal that would have put the Flames up by two. The Michael Backlund goal that was waved off on the ice. They challenged it for goaltender interference and they challenged it to overturn goaltender interference. It did not end up going that way, and as a result, Flames went to the penalty kill. Or they're scored on the ensuing power play. So look, there's a there's a coach taking some accountability as well. 
preseason. I think that uh, you can probably move past that one a little easier than if it was the regular season, but still interesting to hear that from head coach Ryan Huska post game. Okay, text line open, 960-960. Phone lines open, 403-240-4444. Give us a call now if you want to chat on a Friday night. Got a couple of people in line. Uh, fire us a text if you want to talk some Flames hockey on a Friday night. That's all coming your way as our Flames Talk post game show continues from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. For all things basement-y, visit dlbasementsystems.com. Your phone calls, your texts, and more around the corner. Flames fall 2-1 in overtime to the Edmonton Oilers here in preseason game number five tonight. And this is Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Our Flames Talk post-game show continues from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, Calgary. Your final score here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Flames fall 2-1 in overtime to the Edmonton Oilers as our Flames Talk post-game show is underway. Pat Steinberg along with you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. And what was a somewhat strange preseason evening here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Hey, the phone lines are open at 403-240-4444 if you want to jump in. Text line open at 969-960 to you in just seconds, but right now save of the game time brought to you by Shane Holmes. Second start of the preseason for Dan Vladar and his save of the game comes in period number three. Here's Fogel. Skates it up the right wing side across the blue line. Fogel tries a shot and has it blocked by Tanev who comes up limping. Now Cece takes over and centers it. Fogel the redirect and Vladar makes a fantastic save. That ends up being one of the 28 stops made by Dan Vladar, and that is his save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kids Sport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build. So Dan Vladar's gotten two starts. Dustin Wolf's gotten two starts in both games. They went the full distance. Jacob Markstrom has the one start. Three more games to go this preseason. I think I, I think it's fair to say that Dan's still got the leg up to be the number two behind Jacob Markstrom to start the season. I don't really think that was going to change at any point during the preseason unless it was so slanted that Dustin Wolf was so much better in the preseason than Dan. And that hasn't been the case, and we're more than halfway through the preseason. So, uh, yeah, I think Dustin's going to start in the American League, and that's okay because right now they've got three goaltenders that they believe are NHL quality, and they're going to try to get Wolf some NHL time when they can fit it in, when it works in both the AHL and NHL schedules. And they've got Jacob Markstrom and Dan Vladar as well, and we'll see how the story plays out. But definitely, you know, one of the stories of training camp, I think, is playing out that, yeah, right now Vladar remains the guy with the leg up to have that second spot as a goaltender on the NHL roster. And Wolf also has the added benefit of not having to clear waivers. So that's that's probably the way that it's going to start. Right now, let's hear from Dan Vladar. He spoke post-game after the 2-1 overtime loss in the preseason here to Edmonton. Outcome aside, I mean, how did you feel about your performance? It looked pretty solid from our vantage point. Were you seeing what you needed to see? Um, more mental grind than anything. You know, first half of the game, I didn't have anything. I thought I became hard. We were buzzing, obviously. Our lineup was pretty stacked. And they came with a young team, hungry team, right? They were, they were buzzing. They were working hard. And um, some, so, so, so did we. 
But, you know, first half of the game was just, you know, I was just trying to get into it. You know, obviously those games are tough for a goaltender when you don't see as many shots. And then, you know, you get one post and no, one missed one, one missed uh, empty net, right? So you're like, you're thinking what's going on, right? And in the third period, you know, they start putting putting the pucks in the net. And then, you know, obviously, you know, not the ending we wanted, but... Learning lesson for me, for sure, you know, just stay with it. Lots of, lots of emotions towards the end. You know, when we scored two goals, they, they were called off. So, as I said, learning experience for me. And obviously, we didn't want to be losing those games, especially against those guys. Because the contrast between the two games that you've played now, I mean, 37 shots, I think, in Seattle. And this one, I, I don't know if there's maybe a positive in that you get both versions of it in your preseason. Yeah, I mean, obviously, that game in Seattle, totally different game. I saw lots of, lots of shots. So, obviously, for a goalie, you know, just feels better but at the same time you know it's part of it and i think that's the most it's the hardest thing in nature you gotta be there you know uh, on um, on um uh you gotta just make those key saves you know when it when you're up one nothing and you know you have five minutes left and guys coming down at you you gotta you just gotta make that save you know because that end of the season can make a difference so uh you know i didn't make that one so we went to overtime and you guys saw what happened there so it sucks but you know st still better to lose now than in what month what's uh, what's your secret then to Seeing engaged when you're not seeing a lot of puck. How do you? No, you just gotta track the puck. You know, and then you know, once the shot comes, you just gotta have that mentality. You, you just take a shot after shot you, because you can't be looking at the clock. You can end up looking at the shot clock because then you, you know, you just probably get depressed. I know you guys played overtime in Seattle. Obviously, you played overtime again tonight. You practiced it yesterday. What what has to happen for this group to be more successful in three on three? Uh, I mean, start of a season, right? Like uh, we started to practice it, so I'm pretty sure you know we're gonna show the results. And I'm, it's it's just better to lose an OT now than in uh, two weeks from now. So I'm pretty sure that guys are guys are safe, saving those goals and uh, goalies are saving those saves. I have seen you guys practicing three on three, though. So is it a bit of a point of emphasis given the way overtime went for you guys last year? Oh, 100%. You know, uh, obviously overtime can go either way, but at the same time, you know, I'm pretty sure that if you practice it and we have so many so many guys that they can play three on three so many guys they are super skilled and really good and confident on the puck so i'm pretty sure if you're just gonna keep practicing we are we are gonna you know uh we are gonna take those those extra points and then we can make a huge difference at the towards the end of the season that's dan vladar post game following tonight's 2-1 overtime loss to the edmonton oilers it's steinberg with you on your flames talk post game show apple spotify google amazon or wherever you get your podcasts let's dive in on the text line for the first time tonight 960 phone lines also open at 403-240-4444. Start with Steve, who says, was at the game tonight. Always fun to go to a Battle of Alberta, even if only preseason. I thought the goaltender interference call was weak. Pick was basically Puck was basically in before contact. That being said, they dominated for much of the game as they should have given the Oilers as they should have, given the Oilers brought their C squad. What's your thought on Poirier? Thought he had a good game. We need one of those guys to start separating themselves. Zeri comes to mind as well. I thought Poirier had a pretty decent night, all things considered. First preseason game, while everybody else had multiple preseason games under their belt. He played 17-42, had the assist, one shot, four attempts, had the two giveaways and one block shot. There's, there's no question even in the preseason, there's still work that needs to be done on the defensive side of the game and and some of his decision-making when it comes to cheating a little bit too much for offense. You know, the the, the mind is always that, – that brain of Poirier's is always looking at 
you know, at, at the opposing net and always looking at how he can keep the puck near there. And sometimes it'll be a little bit too overzealous. We saw it at times in the American League. Uh, we saw it at times tonight. Um, that's that's an area of his game that's definitely going to need to take some steps. And that's an area of his game that's going to need to uh, improve if he's going to want to be a full-time NHLer. I think there's a lot there, and I think he's got the mind and the IQ to improve it. So I think that will happen. It just probably isn't ready quite yet in the fall of 2023. As for Zeri, he's had a good camp. I think he's in the mix to be on the opening night roster for sure in, in kind of a bottom six role. Now there's three more games to go. See how that plays itself out. Uh, this comes from Ash. Looking forward to another season of sharing my thoughts and hearing the views of yourself and others. Uh, Savvy's 100% correct on the Kadri-Coronado duo. I personally don't think they'll gel. I think it's better to try Coronado with Huberdo or Backland. Last but not least, great ovation today for Snowy. There's no doubt about that. That was uh, very, very touching to see the reaction that Chris Snow got in the tribute that they uh, put on the Jumbotron before the game for Chris Snow and the Snow family as we continue to do our uh, Flames Talk post-game afternoons, Flames broadcast. We're doing it all with a pretty heavy heart. There's no doubt about that. Um, and, yeah, that was that was very, very touching prior to the game. Um, was standing beside Matty Rose. He was getting pretty emotional. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was um, it was it was touching, but also heartbreaking. There's there's no doubt about it. Uh, this says Dustin needs to play, Pat. He does. And I don't know if this texter saying he needs to play in the NHL or if they're saying that he needs to play. Because I agree he needs to play, and being in a three-goaltender system at the NHL level, he's not going to get the right type of reps that he's going to need. That's why starting him in the American League this year is still, I believe, better than having him start on the NHL roster and having three goalies and trying to work it that way. He needs to play a heavy workload. He's still 21, 22 years old. Uh, so he needs to be playing like 40 games, 50 games, that type of number this year. And if you can do that in the American League and sprinkle in some NHL games, I have no problem with that. I think it's a, it's a stepped process here. Dustin knows what's going on. Jordan Sigalette and Jason LaBarbera and Craig Conroy and Ryan Huska have all communicated all of this to him. And... If something changes, a trade, an injury, whatever the case may be, then he'll be ready to step up and be that next guy at the NHL level. That's that's how I see it right now. Uh, this says, I know it's preseason, but that game didn't inspire confidence. Just like last year, they played down to the opponent and couldn't score or generate enough quality scoring chances. I'm also not seeing much chemistry with Huberdo and Lindholm. I haven't minded Huberdo and Lindholm. I'm not going to put a lot of stock into one game. I thought Huberdo, uh, Lindholm, and Sharon Govich looked really good against Vancouver on Sunday. And I thought that they um, didn't play down to their opposition necessarily against Winnipeg on Wednesday. And finally, it's game five of the preseason you're still in a lot of ways going through the going through the motions like I never whether last year happened or didn't happen whether there were things similar to last season or not in this game I put so little stock personally and I'm not saying that if you do that you're right or wrong or that the way I do it is right or wrong but I personally put next to no stock in in things like that 
when it comes to preseason hockey with things that would be a harbinger of things to come or a continuation of a trend from the last regular season. I just, I don't. These are veterans who are getting themselves ready for the regular season by, and, and they're doing it in their own way. And you've got young players who are far hungrier than these veterans are. It just, it happens. It happens all the time. I mean, look at the Flames team that went into Seattle on Monday and beat the Kraken. That was a team that should have lost. It was almost an identical game like this where the goaltender for the road team played really well. A younger team with bubble players beat a pretty established team. It happens across the preseason everywhere, and and to me, I just don't put a ton of stock into it myself. And I to, to the last point of that text, I have seen lots from uh, Huberdeau and Lindholm. I think they've actually looked really good, specifically in, in the practices. Now, I get it. You know they've been closed to the public, so you can't, uh, you you haven't been able to see the things that that we've had the the privilege and ability to see. So I understand that, but I I've actually, and so I I do want to preface that. Um, I really I really have actually felt that there has been some chemistry with Huberdeau and Lindholm so far. Uh, this says Osterly looks great. Uh, Nas and Huberdeau should never be on the same line, even on the power play. Terrible chemistry, in my opinion. Two guys trying to play the same role is why they played so badly for much of the last year. That's from Dylan in Revy. I don't agree. I think they actually looked pretty decent on the power play and have looked pretty decent on the power play. Um, and yeah, I, uh, I I have no problem with them being part of the number one power play, especially as if you heard Mark Savard break it down. Uh, Kadri on the bumper or in the bumper position um, is is something I'm really interested to see on a... It's not like he didn't play that last year. He, he spent lots of time in the bumper last year too, but now with Sharon Govich, we'll see how that plays. Uh, uh, we, we believe that it's going to be a renewed, refreshed Huberdo. I am curious to see how that plays and how Huberdo, the distributor that he is, is able to get pucks into that bumper zone and, and see how they move the puck around. I've actually felt like the power play is has looked dynamic at times even though they didn't score a power play goal in this game I thought um they uh they they looked pretty dynamic at times as well um this says if the flames do not trade Vladar it's massive asset mismanagement his value will never be stronger that comes from Chris in the northwest well if his value so strong I, they, they would have traded him but right now they're just I, I can tell you there wasn't a ton of interest over the offseason in, in and also getting a return that they felt was was viable like giving away Vladar I think is worse asset management than trading him just for for trading him for a, a poor return just so that you can get dust in the time I think managing it in a more pragmatic patient way is the way to go and I think that they're handling it properly the way things are right now. Here's from Will in BC Sorry, I know it's preseason but Pat, it was Edmonton. Tonight I would have considered anything less than a three goal win against this group a loss. It never occurred to me the Flames could lose this game. Lots to say but really that was just embarrassing. Huberto looked like he was back in pass first mode. I hope I'm wrong but this doesn't bode well for the season to come. Please tell me why I'm wrong. I think I just did. It's the preseason. Well, like it, it really... To, to put the type of stock that you're putting into it, in my opinion, and again, I'm not saying you're wrong, but in my opinion, when you've got guys going at 65% like Huberdeau and Kadri and Backlund, like, and I'm not trying to say they were dogging it, 
But there's no way a veteran with hundreds and hundreds of NHL regular season games under their belt is going to give it full gas in a preseason game. They're just not. doesn't matter how much they tell us or how much you tell them that you got to treat it just like a regular season game. It is impossible for established NHLers to go at the same level they're going to go in the regular season because their brain won't let them. They're smart. They know it means nothing. You can't fake it. And so you've got guys who can't fake that it's not a regular season game going up against guys who aren't established and who are doing everything they can to make an NHL roster or to get an AHL contract or to stay a little bit longer or to make an impression. And that's just a a motivation mismatch that no amount of me or you or anybody else saying it shouldn't happen can really fix. It's it's kind of that's that's the way I look at it. So that's why you told me to say why you're wrong. That's that's why I would suggest that you're wrong in my opinion. Uh, this says should Flames fans be concerned that they're close to A squad couldn't beat the other C squad? Uh, nope. Um, I don't think so. This says, geez, Blake Coleman never gets the benefit of the doubt. That goal should have counted just like the goal against the Oil in the playoffs. I'm starting to notice a theme here. The boys' passing was extremely sloppy in overtime. They need to figure that out if they don't want a repeat of last year's overtime stats. That's from Brad. Um, this says, Huberto, Kadri, and Lindholm as a line could look good for certain offensive moments. Um, this says another one of those years for these Flames not cashing in on scoring chances sounds very familiar. Well, I mean, they did cash in on Sunday. Nobody was he, nobody was saying, well, everything's fixed on Sunday because they scored 10. So why are we saying that, well, no, everything's the same when they had, like, it's the preseason. I just, you, in my opinion, you can't put that much stock into anything that you say, uh, rather see in the preseason. Um, this says, should the Flames give Coronado a chance on the first line? Yeah, maybe. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Coronado get up there with, with Huberdeau and Lindholm for a game. That would be interesting to me for sure. Uh, and we'll see if they go down that road at some point. Great stuff on the text line, 960-960. We'll dive back in there a little bit later on. Keep getting your texts in here on our Flames Talk post game show. It's Pat Steinberg along with you at 403-240-4444 on the phone lines. Call now if you want to chat some Flames hot Hockey. doesn't have to be just about this game. Bigger picture stuff across the board. Obviously, our hearts are, are with the Snow family, and we're doing this once again with a super heavy heart, doing our Flames Talk post-game show. Uh, but, yeah, call now if you want to chat some Flames hockey as we're less than two weeks from the start of the regular season. To the phone lines we go where George kicks us off. What's up, George? Not much, Patty. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. Good to hear, my friend. Um, I was very impressed with your conversation with Mark Sabard. Uh, guy has pretty sharp, eh? Very sharp, like very, very sharp. Like <laughs> he made the right move becoming a coach. That's for sure. Um, it was really evident in your conversation with him. Um, in theory, I love his ideas, and I like I actually agreed with everything he said. I wonder, and I know it's preseason, and we haven't seen it, and we'll have to wait for the regular season to see mm-hmm. it executed. But I wonder if this roster is constructed right now can execute some of those ideas. I noticed one thing he did mention about this team basically having a lack of right-handed shots and if that will be a problem. Yeah, and he did he did mention that about the power play specifically. As of right now, there's nobody that is a fit right shot-wise on that power play yet. Could Coronado be that guy as things evolve? 
Maybe. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how they can do that. I know Sharon Kovich is a, is a right winger uh, for this team, and he's a left-hand shot, and I know that he's more comfortable on the right wing. But it's going to be interesting to see how they can carry it out. The power play is one thing. I'm very curious to see how it will evolve this year, how it will be different from past years with uh, Tavard at the helm. It's, uh, it's going to be very fascinating to see that moving forward. For sure. And, and I think, you know, just the reputation that Mark has in terms of his offensive mind, um, I, I think that there's lots of reasons to be optimistic. And even if it doesn't start perfectly, I think there's lots of reason to be optimistic there. Yeah, it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see for sure. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm, you know, Hanzik's not gonna make the team. But um, what do you think? Like, what have you thought of his preseason thus far? And what do you, if you had to kind of give a guess or an estimate, what do you think his ETA is in in terms of him actually being an NHL player one day? Well, I think what I've seen from him so far is a guy who looks like he's at his first NHL training camp, a guy who looks like uh, he's playing against men, and and um, I, he's looked um, kind of just – I, I, I feel bad saying these things. So we're talking about an 18-year-old in his first camp, but um, he's, he's looked lost in the shuffle and, and hasn't really popped at any point. And that's not, and I didn't see the one road game they played in Seattle, so I am missing a little bit of of eyes on. But he's he's looked like a guy who's at his first NHL training camp and isn't a you know automatic right now NHL superstar. And so that is kind of how I would describe how it's gone so far. And that's okay. He's 18 years old, and if he wasn't ready to start. The NHL at 18, that's okay. In terms of his ETA, um, it's hard, man, because he's going to go into this season in the Western Hockey League and uh, and and probably go and, and dominate in Vancouver. And the physical differences right now that young men are making, especially high-performance athletes like this, like 17 to 18, 18 to 19, 19 to 20, these are massive leap years from like just the actual physical composition of their bodies. So I, I can't I, – I, I, I think that there is just as good a chance that he's ready next year as he's not next ready next year because of that fact. He's got a lot of skill. He's got a great shot. He's clearly not ready right now. And going back to Vancouver of the Western League is probably where things are headed right now. But that doesn't mean that coming back next year, uh, another year playing in, in the Western League and being stronger and more mature and all of what goes into it, that he couldn't, that couldn't be a completely different story next year. Yeah, and like you said, a lot can change in one year, uh, especially now. And I, I actually like the idea of them playing him primarily a center in Vancouver this year because uh, that, I mean, he just, that alone, I mean, he's a great player, and he will very likely dominate there. But he's going to gain, I think, so much more um, I, like IQ. He'll he'll learn much more of of positioning, the defensive side of the game. I think that's just that's that's going to benefit him. That can only benefit him going forward. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it really can hurt him all that much. I'm I'm with you there. Yeah. Um, Look, I'm I'm pretty sure Osterley is going to be the 60 man at this point because I don't know when when. Yeah, Gilbert I think you can basically with 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 Shillington not 
with the group right now, I think you can basically pencil in their six if everybody's healthy and, and Osterley's one of them. Right. So then my question to you is, who do you think right now, who has a leg up in your opinion to be the seventh team, man? Well, I'd, I, 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 I'm going to say Gilbert because I, I think he's working his way back. He's, he's skating. He's, he, like, I watched him work out for about 45 minutes workout. Like, I watched him on the ice for, like, 30, 45 minutes this morning uh, with Darren Romerdahl, uh, one of their, the, the skills coach, and just putting him through the paces. Like, he's, he's ramping back up. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll say Gilbert. Okay. In the event that he's not ready injury-wise, you think Solovyov has a shot to be that guy just to open the season at least? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that – I was talking about this with Matty in the second intermission. I don't know if that's – like, do you want a 22-, 23-year-old defenseman to be a 7? True. True. And even if he was, it would be short-term because Gilbert would be coming back very soon and you'd want him playing for the Wranglers anyway. But it's something I just pondered and wondered because I, I like Salo. I know he had the big – Yeah, I've liked him tonight, too. Like, liked it's, him. It's, not, it's not a knock on the way he's played. It's just that I, I just don't know if having him as like a NHL 7 benefits him right now. Yeah, this is true. This is true. Well, man, it's great talking to you. I've enjoyed chats, our chats in the preseason. I hope you have a good night, my friend. You too, George. Good to hear from you, pal. Yeah, take care, my man. Final score, 2-1 in overtime. Oilers beat the Flames here at the Scotiabank Saddledome preseason game five. This is your Flames talk post game as we say hello to Neil at 403-240-4444. What's up, Neil? Hey, Pat. How's it going? Good. Good, man. Um, I just want to give my uh, thoughts out to Kelsey Snow and to Chris Snow. And uh, I just... It really touched me. I have two young kids at home, and uh, I couldn't imagine a world where I wasn't there to take care of them. So his his perseverance and sacrifice really means a lot to me. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been super somber and and super super crushing, super heartbreaking around here. There's no doubt. Um, and I'm. I'm positive that he would want the Flames to go out this year and just, like, really give their all. And uh, I just – I see the team this year, and I, I do think there's something there for them to really rally around, and I just hope we do that. That's all I really want to say tonight. All right, Neil. Appreciate it, man. Be well, eh? You too. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, and it was – um. It was tough not to be emotional during that uh, video tribute that they put together and played on the Jumbotron um, prior to the game tonight. It was uh, it was tough. And, and just having gotten to know Chris Snow over the last uh, 13, 12, 13 years that he's been here in Calgary and, and you know, basically he got here uh, right as I was starting about a year in, I want to say. Uh, I think I think he would have started – he would have came here in my second year covering the team full time, and you know I I was kind of always getting made fun of at the time for um, analytics and all that type of stuff and using Corsi and shot share and all that type of stuff and and I remember I uh, instantly found like a bond with Chris because I'm like here's somebody who works in in hockey with the Flames that uh, is an analytics nerd too and knows 
250,000 times more about it than I do. So we had some great conversations about analytics, and I asked him a ton of questions and, and just got to know him. And as, as I said earlier this week on Flames Talk, the, 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 the most jarring part of this all for me and the stuff that's been the biggest kick in the gut for me, and this is just me personally, it's not about me, but just my personal reflection on it, I guess. I just saw the guy now. I guess it would have been uh, 12 days ago. I was in Penticton at the Young Stars Classic, and I was at a coffee shop on the off day. Uh, they practiced on the Sunday or did some off ice on the Sunday, went to a coffee shop to to do some writing and do some work. And as I'm in line, uh, all of a sudden I feel this body check, big stiff body check, and I'm like, oh, look around, there's snowy. And, and just, you know, talked to Chris and Kelsey was there um, and uh, Willa and Cohen were there, their two kids, um, and Connor Rankin, who works in his analytics department, and the rest of the, the analytics guys were there, and, and just, it was so great to see Snowy, because I, I hadn't seen him all summer, because I hadn't, you know, you're not around, it's great to see Snowy, and we all knew the battle he was in, and the courageous fight he was in, and it just was like, it was super awesome, and I just remember uh, going back, they left, and I went and sat back down, I was like, it was. I remember sitting there, starting to type. I was like, it was friggin' awesome to see Chris Snow. And ten days later, we got the news. It was a, a super, super heartbreaking, and, and it's been. Uh, so Neil, I, I feel it. Uh, Flames fans feel it, and the Flames family inside these walls here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. It's been, it's been hard to, it's been hard to see people just because of of how much this is affecting everybody. Uh, back to the phone lines. Flames lose 2-1 in overtime to the Edmonton Oilers here in preseason game number five. It's Steinberg along with you on your Flames Talk post game. Phone number's at 403-240-4444. And end. You're up next. What's up, buddy? Good evening, Patty. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, I was at the dome tonight. Uh, first of all, thank you to the Sportsnet, to the Sportsnet team uh, for putting on the video to Chris to and it was uh, well presented. So thank you to the Sportsnet team. Of course. Second, uh, I just want to also say to Adam, uh, he played right? the one score, uh, one scored an amazing night. Uh, what do you think? Uh, do you think for the NHL roster, at least, and not even opening, uh, but the other roster, can he get a chance into the NHL? Um, I think at some point, yeah. I think I think it's still a little bit like I, I think it's still a little ways away. I don't think it's imminent. I don't think it's kind of a right away thing. Um, there's still there's still some work away from the puck that I think is going to be really important for him here going forward. Um, talking about Jeremy Poirier, and so yeah, I think that he's got he's got a skill set. He's got an ability to do things that as many people with the flames have said before, you can't teach some of the things that he does, his offensive instincts um, and, and his deception and some of the things he does with the puck on his stick in his own zone. Like these are high level things that he does, but to be a full-time NHL defenseman, you, you can't be, a liability defensively and even in the game tonight there were some times where yeah there were some miscues that that 
ended up going as good opportunities the other way for Edmonton. And that's an area that he's going to – he knows it. I've talked to him before about it. The Flames have obviously talked to him about it lots. He knows that there's stuff that he needs to clean up. And, and to his credit, he's really, really open about how he knows that that's the part of his game that is not where it needs to be right now at the NHL level. But he's still young. He's 22 years old or 21 years old. Um, so there's – there's lots of time, lots of growth still to come, and I think they've got a really intriguing prospect. So maybe later on this year, could that be a conversation, end? I don't know. Uh, I, I, I can't say no, um, and I'd be curious to see if that could happen. Is it is it likely that it is right now to start the year, to start the season in the NHL? I, I would say probably not. Yeah, definitely. I agree with this. Also, I just want to echo what others have been saying. Uh, like tonight, if the Flames had grabbed some more of the opening opportunities, or um, I deployed uh, really offensive, uh, I heard uh, people who sat next to me, uh, they were also pointing out how Flames could have grabbed those few uh, offensive opportunities or defensive opportunities. Uh, either way, uh, we could have ended up winning the game. Uh, but anyway, a uh, good try. Uh, those two goals that were called back uh, was kind of shy for us, but uh, we did still great, I believe. Uh, but getting those uh, puck control and then uh, not giving away so much uh, puck, uh, that would be appreciated. Yeah, that's the one thing that you keep forgetting is that they did they did score two goals. I, I'm kind of with those who are like, I don't know, I, I would have called it a goal, the um the the Coleman goal and uh, sorry the Backlund goal that got called back yeah. on the Coleman interference I would have called that a goal especially in the preseason um, and then they scored a goal that I I, I was um, the, yeah the, the, it sure did feel like the puck went over the line but it didn't happen in time for it to count so I don't know I, I'm not I'm not super worried about what we saw tonight and and I, I don't I'm not worried about this being a um, Sign of things to come. Okay, gotcha. Yes, I'll be nice chatting with you, Patty. Talk to you soon and have a good night. You as well. Have a great weekend. And, and uh, 403-240-4444 is your phone number if you want to chat some Flames hockey after preseason game number five here on a Friday night. It's Steinberg along with you. And we, we're getting we're getting a call from this gentleman in the preseason. The, the, the world is changing, my friends. It's Robert. What's going on, Robert? Hello, Patrick, my man. How are you doing, sir? I am doing well, my friend. How are you? I hope you had a good summer. I did. I did indeed. And I know Red Bull's killing it again, but we're going to get there. The Ferrari's going to get there one day. I know you love F1 like I do. I'm I'm uh, I'm le- I'm less confident about that than you are. I bet. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm pretty sure, Patty. I'm glad you had a great summer, Patty. I had a pretty good summer too, because last year, personally, in the family was was a good good year. But everything's looking up. We got to keep moving forward. Before I start, Patty, I want to give blessings up to the whole family. A lot of love and blessings to that family. Yes, absolutely. Patty, I wanted to ask you something. Mm-hmm. We had a few scrimmages last year. Backlund over thirty. Kadri over 30, Wilbert over 30, Tanev over 30, Markham, big question mark. Does it bother you that these guys are going to have to carry so much, not in the regular season, and if we, if we get to the playoffs? 
Does it bother you? It bothers me a lot, Patty. I don't know if it bothers me. Um, no, maybe bothers the wrong word. Do I think? Do I think that it is something that um, could end up being a factor for them? Um, I, I'm not. I'm not as uh, concerned about it for this season as mm-hmm. much as I would be concerned about it for the long term. Right? Like, right. I'm not. I, I'm not. I don't think like Backlund being over thirty, he's just coming out he's coming off the best year of his career. Yeah, yeah. He he was one of the best conditioned players yeah. on the team once again. Uh Huberdo Huberdo is in phenomenal shape and mm-hmm. you know, looks looks like he's got a, a, a different step this year. Um you know, so I, I'm I'm not so much worried about, you know, guys who are over thirty right now. I'm I'm more I, I guess I'd be more concerned two, three, four years down the road as opposed to right now. You know I made that question, Patty. I heard I heard Ryan say it the other night again. And I, I said this last year many times. Patty, we gotta be the two three slowest team in the league. I heard Ryan Oscar say it that Seattle was flying. Patty, this league, the way we're constructed, you know I, I can look at a player like Mark Stove. He's not gifted, even Chucky, but they know how to use the eyes. This team, Patty, we're not a very fast team in speed-wise. No, that's not that's not their uh, that's not their number one calling card. I agree, uh, and that's and I, I think that they've. I think they're actually. I will say whether or not it'll be enough. I don't know, but I will say I think they're faster than they were last year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing, Patty, because I know the way you are. I've known you a long time, young man, and you're good at what you do. You understand the game. But I know when you say some things to me, it's just because you want to calm me down, put me in a soothing place. <laughs> Patty, the reason I called tonight, i got to be honest with you, and I'm really sick and tired of this line. I heard Oscar say it again tonight. This one's on me. I heard Lucius last year. I heard Mark Stump. This one's on me. Patty, this time is really bothering me now. There's only now. This is on me. I know he's referring to the call tonight. I really don't like this light anymore, Patty. I've heard this light too many times. This is on, on me. Because I could say, to, I could say back, this one's on me that I spent $300 to watch this awful hockey game tonight. But I don't say that. It's a different comparison. But I'm really tired, Patty. I know about owning, showing passion like Luchich and that, Markstrom, you know, standing. But I think, Patty, it comes to a point that, you know, sometimes words are kind of cheapish, right? Let the action on the ice speak for itself. And, yeah, you're going to make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. But this owning stuff, Patty, it's like, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to find the word. I really don't like this phrase, Patty. What I'm trying to say. Um, I don't mind it. Like I don't mind when a coach takes responsibility like that. He was talking about one decision. How? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I and, understand and that. It's a preseason video yeah. review call. I, I'm I, yeah. I'm not going to get too bent out of shape about. No, I was talking that. more about the players. I hope because last year, Patty, how many times we had players marched from like. I understand what they're trying to do, right? But after a while, like, action, 
Uh, yeah, I, 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 I feel that part. Like, yeah, and, and that was frustrating last year because there were a lot of – Before uh, I go, Patty. Yeah. Because, I, you know, October, everything's good in October, right? It's our birthday, a hockey start. October, we're Scorpios. It's the best month to be. We rule. Anyway, <laughs> quick prediction from you. Okay. Where are we finishing in the Pacific? Uh, okay. I am going to say – I I'm not a big believer believer in Los Angeles's goaltending. I will mm-hmm. say they finished third. Third? Yep. And one more before I go. Buffalo Miami this weekend. NFL. Oh, well, just because I know Derek's listening right now, I'm going to say um Miami just for my own self-preservation. I'll say Miami. I actually um I I've Buffalo has looked good, but I'm I'm gonna choose I'm gonna go Miami just because I, I I really would like to see that that offense and and see them put up some numbers and put up some fireworks against a a team that's considered a really high end group. So I'll I'll go Miami. It was a pleasure, Patty. I hope we have a fun year. We're gonna have a fun year because regardless of that, it's always fun to talk to you, the see the boys and everything. It's been 10, 11, 12 years. It's going to keep going for a long time. It's always a pleasure. Patty, just before I go, though, is it ironic, though, right? The travel manager who left here sides with Toronto. You know, I have, I have some words to say. You know, my, you know my feelings towards free living and Sutter weren't very positive. Even though I, I don't like to say that I want a Canadian team so bad to win a Stanley Cup, I'm pretty sure Toronto, which we live, is a good way to come. And that gives me a lot of happiness inside, knowing that they will never win a cup with that man there. Because, Patty, I don't know how it works, life works. Because I believe Tree Living did a lot of damage to this hockey club. That's my opinion, but I'm not going to go into it. And then you get rewarded to the biggest bank in Canada. I really don't get it, Patty. I really don't. Anyway, Patty, we'll talk soon, my man. Anyway, Patty, you, you you know you sound always the same. Do are you aging or anything, or do you keep <laughs> the same age? I I think I think I am aging. I I, I believe I am. I, I although yeah, if you ask my media friends, I, I I haven't aged all that much. I think my skincare routine is is decent. Um, but Patty, I am definitely. Your voice sounds exactly like twelve years ago. Like it's unmistakable. Like. I know you're probably in the middle 30s or something, and, but no, it's funny. It's been, it's been fun. It's going to be fun again this year. Nice chatting with you, my pal, and hi to all the boys regulars, and I hope we have a good year this year. Thank you, my man. Thanks, Robert. Good to hear from you, pal. A preseason Robert call. Woof. Yeah, we're moving up in the world. I like that. Good to hear from you, pal. That's awesome. Phone lines are open on a Friday night. 403-240-4444 is your phone number. 2-1 in overtime. Flames fall to the Edmonton Oilers here in preseason game at number five. Text line also remains open at 960-960. It's time for tonight's Player with Heart, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. And I'm going to go Nazem Kadri on this one. That Kadri was one of Calgary's best players in this game tonight. Um... When it comes to some of the underlyings, he was a um, 
57.7% possession player tonight. Uh, Flames had a 15-11 edge in five-on-five shot attempts when he was out there. They outscored the opposition, won nothing when he was out there. Um, in terms of scoring chances, uh, they were 6-2 Calgary when Kadri was out there, including 2-1 at high danger. And then individually, at all strengths, Kadri led the team with nine individual shot attempts. He led the team with five individual shots. He led the team with six individual scoring chances, and one of those was a high-danger chance. Nazem Kadri is our player with heart tonight, brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. For HeartFit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office, visit HeartFit. Right now, though, let's go back inside the Flames locker room. Last check inside the Flames locker room. We thought this guy scored their only goal. Turns out Elias Lindholm got a stick on it, and he ended up scoring it. But uh, nonetheless, Jeremy Poirier back in the Flames lineup this preseason. He had missed all of uh, the preseason prior to tonight and uh, missed the first part of training camp as well. Just has been recovering from some uh, off-season injury stuff. So let's hear from Jeremy Poirier. Put a puck on net, was redirected by Elias Lindholm, had himself a pretty solid night, all things considered. Here's Jeremy Poirier inside the Flames locker room post-game following tonight's overtime loss to the Oilers. Let's start with uh, your feeling personally. Uh, get out there, get your first game rep in terms of this training camp. How do you feel? Yeah, personally, I, f I felt good out there. My body felt felt good for first time in a long time. So for me, just to get out there and feel good was a huge plus. It's too bad we couldn't get the win, but I felt good personally out there. My body felt good, so it's it's encouraging that way. Passed all passed the test that you had, or at least some of the marks in your mind. Yeah, like when you go out there for the first time, you're always a little stressed out, but it's good to get out there and feel comfortable. How about the game? Uh, what jumps out at you in terms of the way that it finishes? Yeah, I think we got a couple bounces not going our way at the end, but I think it's just a learning experience for, for this group, and it's, it's good for us to, to face adversity. But it's too bad we couldn't get the job done, like I said. Do you find it was sort of similar for you to skate through the neutral zone the same way you would have in the AHL last season? or? I mean, obviously the pace is a little bit faster, but at the same time, I'm just trying to go out there and play my game. There's a reason why I play a certain way, and I just try to go out there, have some fun, and, and play the way I play. And I think, I think I just got to keep doing that and keep working hard every day. Did you know Lindholm got a stick on it? <laughs> I don't know. I think he did. So that's that's good. Good goal for him, and I'll take the assist any day. How comfortable are you playing with Ilya? Well, we've played together before in the AHL from time to time, so it's, it's good for us to, to go out there together. I already knew him. I know the way he plays, so it was good for us to, to get the reps to get her out there. What about his game kind of lets you play your game? Yeah, of course. He is a pretty solid defenseman. He, he plays physical. He's good defensively, so it's good for me to have someone that's reliable back there. It's awesome to play with him. That is Jeremy Poirier post-game following the Flames' 2-1 overtime loss to the Edmonton Oilers. Let's head back inside the text line at 960-960. Uh, still lots of time to get your texts in. Uh, this says, uh, Pat didn't see the game tonight. Did Coronado have a strong game with Dubé and Kadri, or does it look like that's Rizicka's spot to lose now? I don't think we're um, I don't think we're there yet. I don't think that we're there at the point where we can say it's one guy's spot to lose or anything like that. I thought Coronado was decent tonight. Uh, I, I think that we have seen him look better in the preseason than he did tonight, but I thought he was just fine. Um, he ended up playing 13:01 when it was all said and done. Uh, uh, three shot attempts, one shot, and uh, one scoring chance on his stick. I I I think that um, 
There's a couple things like that was his seventh game of camp because he played all three games at the Young Stars Classic in Penticton and has played every possible game he could play so far in the preseason uh, in his first main camp as well. Obviously couldn't play both games on the split squad night, but he's played every other game. Uh, so I just I, I, I do wonder and, and I, this is something that is part of being an NHL or two. It's what did Brad Tree Living say? It's an everyday league, right? And and the grind of a lot of games in a week is something that he's not really used to never done it in college before so I, I wonder if that played a little bit into it again that's not an excuse I just wonder if that that had anything to do with it again I didn't think he played poorly had a couple of a uh, couple of ni- nice savvy plays couple of good one touch passes uh, had a couple of shooting opportunities that he didn't get quite on net so I still think he's very much in the mix to be on this team. I don't think that changed at all, but uh, I didn't think it was um, as as resounding as some of the other preseason outings he's had. Obviously, not as good as the first one where he scored three and had four points, but even, even with that um, being the first game, I still thought, you know, for instance, even Wednesday night in Winnipeg, uh, I thought he jumped off the page a little bit more than he did tonight. But uh, there's three more preseason games to go. I would guess that Coronado gets at least one, if not two more, of those games before it's all uh, all said and done. Uh, this says, uh, Patty, super emotional few days for hockey fans. Seeing the outpouring of support from NHL fans for Chris Snow and his family has been incredible. I can't imagine what the family's going through. Prayers to them for sure. That comes from Smiley. And, yeah, absolutely. I mean, every. every Everything that we're talking about is is kind of, I don't want to say it's trivial, but it just kind of feels a little less important, especially knowing it's the preseason. feels a little less important knowing, you know, what, what the Snow family is, is going through right now. There is zero doubt about that. Uh, great stuff on the text line tonight at 960-960. Let's head back inside or back to the phone lines as we got a few more calls to get to on this Friday night. Uh, I'll throw out the numbers one more time, 403-240-4444. Flames lose 2-1 in overtime to the Oilers here in preseason action. It's Steinberg with you on your Flames Talk post game. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, live after every game right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan Tyler is up next on the phone lines. What's up, Tyler? Oh, nothing much. Just uh, I have, have a question for you. Uh, what are your thoughts on Dambladar to Tampa? Um, I get the reason why it's being discussed. I think it is something that, you know, the Flames, if, if there was a um, – if there was an opening and if there was uh, a desire on the Tampa side, I think it's absolutely something the Flames should should be interested in in pursuing or at the very least exploring. The only problem is is this is year one of Vladar's contract that he signed last year. So he's not coming in at an NHL minimum anymore. Vladar's no, coming I... in at a $2.2 million cap hit, and Tampa is one of the most cash-strapped and cap-strapped teams, not cash-strapped, but cap-strapped teams in the NHL, even even with Vasilevsky being out. Um, the, it, it just... I don't know if Tampa's going to be in the market for a goalie that, um, knowing that Vasilevsky will be back at some point this year, I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat skeptical, not completely going to shut the door, but I am somewhat skeptical that they would be 
able to absorb a cap hit like that for a guy that would then turn into Vasilevsky's backup, you know? So that's that's the only reason why I'm a little less gung-ho about that being an actual I don't want to say actual possibility cuz I do think it's a possibility and it's a fair it's a fair conversation to have. I just I'm a little less convinced that it would be something Tampa would go out of their way to make work, uh, especially at this stage where they're probably waiting until final rosters start to come out and they can maybe look at the waiver wire I, I and for something that's maybe a little less of an impact on their cap. So I get the question. I'm just, I would say I'm somewhat, not super, but somewhat skeptical that it, it is something that the lightning would be able to make work. Yeah. I don't think like cap wise, it would be pretty hard to make it work because they, I think they have like 800,000 left. Um, my next question is uh, Lindholm for yep. to sign him long-term. I, I'm kind of worried about, him being 29 at the end of the season and then having another long-term contract for five to eight years. Probably. Let's be honest. It's probably, it's, it's going to be eight if he signs. Yeah. And like how you go about retooling, like I get the having two top centers, but moving forward, how the, how the team can move forward and do a rebuild on the fly. It um, it's again a very fair question, and and I think it is a dilemma that the Flames have had, continue to have, or a conversation the Flames have had and continue to have behind closed doors, and it's one that I've wrestled with because I've been a big proponent of if you can get Lindholm to a certain extent. I mean, at ten million, probably not. At nine million, yeah, I I I think I could probably be convinced that's the right move to make at eight and a half million dollars i'm like yep very much so um but even still it's an eight-year contract it's going to be a big money deal for a guy as you mentioned that is going to be 29 at the end of the season Uh, it's there's no doubt that there is potential downfall to doing it the reason why I still think if Lindholm remains willing to sign and you can come to an agreement with him, the reason that I personally still lean towards getting the job done is just the fact that as much as it might come with it some potential risk at the back end of the contract, this organization has had such a difficult time in finding a number one center and here's a guy who has been their number one center. And if you let him walk or if he walks or if you trade him, I just worry about how long it takes to find the next guy that can fill that role and fill it at, at a level that you're like, yeah, that, that guy is a, a number one center and, and lots of other teams would probably put him as their number one center. So to me, does it have risk? For sure. This is not a, yeah, 100%. You do this all day long. For me, I'm kind of like, yeah, if it's me, the pros still outweigh the cons, but not in a landslide way, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I like the eight and a half. I, nine, nine's hard for me, but I like it at eight and a half. No, that seems kind of nitpicky at 500,000, but just putting the whole, the rest of the team together. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, and, and, that's why I say, like, it is 
It is a nuanced conversation. You know, the like the Backland extension, two times four and a half all day, every day. Like, to me, that's a slam dunk. I, I wouldn't have oh. even blinked and, and signed that deal if I'm the Flames. Oh, Lindholm that's, that's at, a perfect deal. Yeah, Lindholm at eight times whatever. That's a, a little bit less of a no-brainer. I, I Again, I still would do it. It just, I... It, it takes a little bit more wrestling and a little bit more of the, yeah, I understand it's not perfect um, when it comes to that conversation as opposed to other ones. Yeah. Um, I I like 90% of the team. Like, I like the back end. We have probably one of the stronger back ends. It's the center depth, really. And moving forward with contracts that I, I kind of have an issue with, but kind of one of those things that you kind of battle every year with yeah and i mean the center depth right now is pretty solid like pretty. backland lindholm and and cadre but you know two of those guys are over 30 and one of them is going to be 29 at the end of the year so you know the center depth is fine right now but yeah going forward it's not a position that i would say they're particularly stocked in when it comes to prospects and and guys that you would be talking about passing the baton to yeah anyways thanks for the call i just thought i'd give my two cents yeah on appreciate it tyler you have yourself a yeah, great night you. I will, you do. Thanks, man. Uh, let's say hello to Brendan on our Flames Talk post-game show. What's up, Brendan? Hey, Pai. Hope you're having a good night. Love the podcast. Listen Thank to it every you, day. Man. Thank you. Um, my question for you tonight is, uh, um, yeah, it's more more for like the cap size. So I, I, I personally think we're going to get Hannafin and Lindholm signed. And uh, if we do do that, how do you see uh, – it being like in the like we have a lot of guys locked up long term. We have Huberto, Kadri, Coleman. He's four years. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you see like same same for like the defense? If we get Hannafin, then we have Weger for eight years. Anderson's going to get a contract in a few years for longer. Yeah. And I, I think the door off like he's open to stay, and if they want him, they'll probably keep him. How do you, like uh, like perhaps like pool for the defense isn't more of the issue it's more of the forwards but really right now i have the lions being the sharon govich lennon huberto kadri cornado dube and then the back line fourth line i see it being doer riziska and then pelche if healthy but right now i think it will be dried hunt but uh in the future how will they like how do you see them working it to open spots for like guys like zari and on the defense for probably uh, Poirier on the mm-hmm. defense more in. How, how do you see them opening spots for them in the future if they if they have all these long term contracts? Because I think it'll be a struggle. Well, I mean, on the I mean, and I again, I, I'm I totally understand the concern, and I think it's a it's a fair concern when you take a look at at the contracts and the ages. The the I guess one thing that could help in that regard is the fact that you know they also have other uh, pending unrestricted free agents, and if they're going to bring back both Lindholm and Hannafin, and and they get both those guys to sign and and stay 
well, then it probably means you can't keep Tanev. It probably means you might not even be able to keep Zadorov. And so, as a result, they might have to look at less expensive alternatives. And one of the ways you look at less expensive alternatives is by looking at younger players on smaller contracts, NHL minimum deals that you already have in the organization. So to answer your question, Brendan, that, that's a way that they could open up some space for those young players because to sign Lindholm and Hannafin to the deals that they would deserve to get and that they would need to sign to stay here, I think, it would mean that you wouldn't be able to keep some of your other uh, unrestricted free agents, and that would open up some space for other players um, as early as next season. Yeah, because I've seen them getting Dubé locked up, so that's three forward lines locked up for a couple of years. Just, yeah, for the younger guys getting, for the forwards-wise. Right. Yeah, that that would be a tough one for the forwards, especially because I think Tav can probably go one or two more years, and then you can get yeah. But again, like, will they will, will they be able to re-sign Tanev if they re-sign Hannafin and Lindholm? Like, just straight up cap wise, will they be able to? Oh, I don't think so. You'd probably even have to get rid of Zadorov on cap wise. Yeah, and and so you know, it might also mean that you have. Uh, a few things that get affected uh, with with your forward group. You might have to look at making a trade. Like maybe you um, are unable to keep Manjapani at the end of his contract when it comes to an end at the end of next season. So there, there's another way that you know you might have to look at making a trade there or something like that, and that would open up a space for a younger player like a Hanzek or or somebody like that. So yeah, and and Coronado, I think we're factoring into this. Con- conversation as well and I think that there would be opportunity for him so I do think even if they do sign one or both of those guys to deals which remains to be seen I still think that there would be ways to get younger players spots because of the sacrifices that would have to maybe be made elsewhere by signing those two players Hannafin and Lindholm to to the contracts they'd need to stay yeah, and uh, I, I hope they can handle this goalie situation. I, I think they have a good plan in place just because with goalies, with Wolf, you don't want to rush them in, take your time with goalies and defensemen. Yeah, and I think they so, have a plan too. Um, I just I think it's a plan that they can only run for like one season at most. I don't think that you could do this for another year, what they're going to try to do. And, and ideally, you probably don't even do it for a full season. Um, but I don't think anything more than this coming year is the way to go. Yeah. And uh, just the last one for you. This is just like a quick trivia question. I can let yeah. you get going soon. Okay, so there's three players. Which one of these three players did not score 50 in their rookie season? Okay. Mike Bossy, Joe Nundike, or Mario Lemieux? Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, so it's between uh, – it's okay, – no – Newendike scored fifty in his uh, in his rookie season, so I am going to say I don't think Mario did. I'm going to say Mario. You're correct. That's a good one. Woo! All right. Have a good night. Thanks, Brandon. I'm glad I got the trivia question right. You have a great yeah. night, hey? <laughs> yeah, you too. See ya.
Thanks, buddy. Appreciate the call. Uh, let's say hello. Now I'm now I'm on cloud nine. I'm feeling all. I got a cock in my walk now as I say hello to Wedley. What's up, Wedley? Hey, bonjour, Patrick. Comment allez votre vacation? So it was good. Uh, yeah. It was, it was quite. I, I enjoyed it. Um, okay. You like going there. That's back-to-back years, isn't it? Uh, j'adore la France. Uh, oh, that's c'est good. Très, c'est très bien, mon ami. Oh, magnifique. I figured I'd break out the French in the preseason because remember last year, the following caller got angry in the regular season. <laughs> that's so, right. No, I uh, Paris is – I love that place. It's uh, on my bucket list. i got to get there one day. Yeah. And some people don't it. like it. Uh, I am not one of those people. Oh, if I ever do get there, I'll have to hit you up on some information on what to do down there. Absolutely. But, no, I'm glad you went. That's awesome. You deserve the time off. You work so hard during the regular season, so glad you get at least the summer off, so that's good. Thank you, man. But uh, I'm going to have a mixed bag today. I'm not going to get too much into the game. Um, so when Kelsey, Kelsey Snow had those stickers, uh, I can't remember when she released it, I put a couple on my car. Yeah. Because, uh, man, I've never the, met the, Chris The Snow, Snow. just so... The, the Snowy Strong stickers, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. I've never met him, but just, you know, just what he was fighting through back then, and he's always fighting, and uh, with the, the ALS situation, I'm like, i got to have this on my car just to – because, you know, I, I sometimes forget, you know, these little trivial things I get upset about. Like, there's a lot bigger things going on in the world. And as you know, my attitude changed after my dad passed. Like, I used to be the – trade everybody, fire everybody, over-reactionary flames guy, but now I'm way more calm about that. But, uh, yeah, no, it's... uh, I wish that family all the best, and I will continue to keep that sticker on, and his legacy will live on. He he did such... so much. Like, even today, I don't know if you heard, uh, Damon Amendeloro's last show on CBS today, and I guess he went to school with Chris Snow, and he, he was even talking about that on... Like, Chris says... What he's done... Like with the raising funds and everything, even fighting this battle. He's, yeah. Like he and the Snow family have have mm-hmm. literally impacted millions of people. Like people who are living with ALS right now, yeah. or have family members or or close loved ones that mm-hmm. are dealing with ALS, who are dealing with something else, whether it be mm-hmm. a, a physical ailment or or de- disease or condition, or whether it's you know just difficulties um yeah. in in uh th- their own life outside of like the physical side of things the way that chris fought this and the way that kelsey stood by his side yeah. and and was she wasn't you know physically affected by it but you know mm-hmm. to see to see the person that you uh to see to see your person go through that and, yeah. and see, like the strength that she she has shown throughout all this is, yeah, like literally inspiring to millions. Whether it's oh, tremendous! Know, I appreciate I, uh, all her posts. Yeah, I, I just I just know that like the, the podcast. Um, I, I listened to. I, I had a bit of a well, not a bit. I, I had a significant. Uh, it's funny you mentioned you asked about my vacation. Like I had a significant tragedy in my life while I was on vacation, and and I. I'm sorry to hear um, that. <laughs> and, and and I. Uh, I found myself while well, I was I was over there by myself and and mm-hmm. you know you're you're disconnected from all your friends and all your yeah. family who are going through it and so you're just by yourself and uh, I found myself listening to her podcast a lot um, during so like mm-hmm. these like Chris like the strength 
strong, strong, one of the strongest people I've ever seen. And and Kelsey and Cohen and Willa, the whole the whole family. The whole like, family. It's 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 heartbreaking that this is is happening that we're talking about it, and yet mm-hmm. at the same time, like these this family has literally inspired millions of people whether you, you as you said you've never met the man people who yeah. have met him people who haven't met him people who have met kelsey people who haven't mm-hmm. met kelsey uh, it, it doesn't matter like they 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 inspired people across the world across north america and and yeah. will and and let's not forget we'll continue to do so oh for sure 100% uh, like i read some of the comments the players were saying like well, well i think it was, it was huberto like when he was having this tough time and chris was reaching out to him and you know and the fact that he never complained he's still like god i complain sometimes <laughs> like, like i have a headache and i complain but i'm like this guy was a, a warrior complete warrior fought till the very end and you know he all respect to him and i wasn't at the game but i saw the video and shout out to the they, they're always so good with their videos you know or great not good great Absolutely. whether it's a tribute video to a former player or a video like they did today for Chris, it's like, it, it is the hands down the best, you know. The, 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 I know you know the crew there. They, they always do a fantastic job with those videos. They and sure do. Yeah, that's something I watched a couple of times tonight. So I send that family my best. I know this feeling, like when we had to take uh, a different circumstance, obviously, but take the tube out of my diet, that, that time period just was the worst. But uh, anyways, um, thank you to your station for, you know, always – bringing up that snowy strong and reminding us yes it's a game we can be fans we can boo and cheer but honestly guys we don't need to freak out we lost 2-1 in a preseason game it's preseason yeah i think sandy sandy mccarthy i think led us in goals one year i can't remember my memory's going but that sounds right though that sounds right something like goals or i can't remember but something like that he led us in in one preseason it happens you know let the games real game starts and we'll see how it goes and I'm glad to see the guys. I'm a Daryl fan, uh, you know, uh, of the coaching stuff. I'm not going to get into the other stuff because I wasn't there. But I do like to see the players are having fun and smiling again. And hopefully that translates into a good season, right? So we'll see how it goes. Yep. Um, as for the team itself, I'm with you. I know I'm in the minority and people fight with me over this. I know what this city is like. They always want the backup goalie, the backup quarterback, you name it. Jake Mayer was the favorite, and now everybody piles on him now. But I'm in no rush to put Wolf, and I get people are saying, what does he have to prove? He doesn't. It's about getting reps. I'd rather him be in the minors for now, not saying all year, and get those reps in. It's not about proving anything until they sort. I'm in no rush to get rid of Ladar myself, but because the guy Tampa had in today had 42 saves, so I don't know if they're – we'll see if he's going to be the starter or not. But – uh I don't know. I, I'm in no rush to start him, honestly. You have that waiver exemption. Why not use it while you can, right? Well, but. and that's, yeah, I think that's that's very fair. And, I mean, mm-hmm. at this point, you know, you talk about asset management, right? Well, part yeah. of asset management is not throwing away your assets. And so mm-hmm. if, if Dan Vladar is an asset, then treat him as such. And what I mean by that is if you're going to move him, yeah. move him – for in a deal that makes sense that you're going to get good value on and, and don't just throw them away for the sole reason that you want to get dust in more game time like that that to me is also poor asset management a texter earlier said earlier said that if they don't trade vladar it's poor asset management well and i i, I would counter that with 
if you trade him for a bad trade just because that also yeah. is poor asset management. And if you do that and Wolf, and again, I don't know if Wolf's ready or not, we'll see. But Carter Hart's a prime example, like how he was utilized in Philadelphia. Um, there's many, like goaltending, as as our for, your former colleague used to say, is like voodoo. <laughs> like, yeah, I know Wolf can do it, but I just, you know, I don't see, I, I've been in this market for so long. I remember how Mike Burnham was treated and other goalies were treated. I don't, as long as you have your, and I know Conroy is the type of person. He's honest and he's communicating with Wolf. I don't think there's a, and from what I hear from Wolf, it doesn't sound like it's a problem. I don't think he'll be a prima donna about it. As long no, as I don't. Fine, I don't worry you know? about that at all. Yeah. Me neither. Just the way he talks and his interviews and stuff. And then I can Conroy seems to be open and honest. So we'll see if it happens. It happens, but. I, this whole, like, just trade Vladar, get him out, get Wolf in there just to get because people can't be patient. I don't like that narrative myself, but we'll see. It might still happen. But And then I was going to say quickly, I'll let you go here. about So Shillington is shut down or no? I only heard parts of it because I got pulled uh, into no, a meeting. No, he's not, he's not shut down. He's just oh. not ready to start training right camp. Now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, fair enough. So he's still with the team then. Okay, I did. I misheard then. Yeah, he's. Uh, uh, I. I. I am quite. I'm. I'm fairly certain that he's still uh, in the city, and um, oh, okay. they're still. They're still working. They're still supporting him. Uh, okay. They're still helping him get. And 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 yes, is it? Would it be awesome to see him back? And and yeah. are the Flames invested in getting him back on the ice? Of course they are, but they're yeah. also super invested in 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 him just being okay. And yeah, no, fair they're, enough. They're, and, and that's what they're doing right now. Yeah, well, I take their time. I wish them the best with that, too, because uh, your health comes first, the hockey career second. So until that's sorted out, uh, well, I, I like – I always can't pronounce his name. Is it Soloviev? Soloviev. Yeah, between him and Austerly, they've both been, from what I've been able to see and hear, We'll see if uh, I think Sarich is right, though. I think Austria will probably get in the end because he has more experience. But it's nice to see some stories like that, some players emerging, and we'll see what happens. But yeah. Soloviev, I don't know. Do you think he'll get a shot or maybe one more year in the minors? I think it, it doesn't make a ton of sense to yeah. um, use him as a seven in my eyes. No, he's got to um, be in the six, yeah. If it, it, I, I just think he's got to play, so yeah. he's going to just sit and watch at the NHL level. I think yeah. it makes more sense to. Um, I think it makes more sense to to play him um, in the American League. Oh, for sure, and especially with our farm team in Calgary. If they if there's injuries or they want to give him another yeah. look, you can see way easier. So, but no, it's a good story anyway to start the camp. So we'll see. And then, actually, sorry, one last question. I'll let you go. I didn't get your opinion. What do you think? I like the new jerseys. Uh, people are complaining, but I like them. What, the, the Heritage, Heritage Classic jerseys? Yeah, I think yeah, they're I, sharp. I, I, think, I think both of them look sharp. Yeah, I, me I, too. I, I, I don't mind the Oilers ones either. I don't just love don't like the their Oilers. pants. I, yeah, yeah, I don't love the pants. I get what they're trying yeah. to do. I just Aesthetically, it's not as good yeah. as, as I think Calgary's overall kit is better. Um, yeah. But I like I like both the jerseys. I think both teams will look sharp. I think both did a good job. Yeah, it'll be yeah. it'll be nice to see. I'm not going to the game myself, but I'm just waiting for my jersey order anyway. But uh, I even like Edmonton putting the number on the front, like a football style. I like that. But anyways, I'm a jersey nerd. So yeah. anyways, it was good to talk to you. I'm going to the home opener. That's why I called you tonight. So probably can't call you then, but definitely call you over the season. So, and okay. Thanks for 
reading my lame text as always, but uh, that'll yeah. never stop. You, no, thank you. you. Yeah. You're one of you're one of the guys who gets it, so I'll always read those texts. Oh, original from I can't remember the year 960 started, but I was there from day one. No, and, and we're uh, we're happy to have you, buddy. I wish you guys still had the clips of that. Uh, to this day, I, I still remember Joe Sports and Fred Fateri, my favorite interview ever on 960. Yeah, I wish, I wish I could have heard that because I've heard legends. Oh man, it. him challenging Bruce Topping into a fight, and Joe's like, "Oh really?" <laughs> Joe was the best. Uh, you know, rest in peace, Joe. Th- those were some wacky, wild times on 960. I'll never forget that. That's awesome. Oh, F Troop. Anyways, I'll let you go, man. It was good talking to you. Yeah. Uh, be, yeah. be well, Wedley. You be well. Yeah. We'll talk soon. Yeah, take care, buddy. Yeah, take Thanks, care. Buddy. Bye. That'll wrap us up on our phone calls. That'll wrap us up on our text. Thank you very much uh, for both uh, all of your input on both phone lines and text lines. What the heck is going on? This felt like a regular season post-game show. What is with all these phone calls on a Friday night after a preseason game? We'll take it. I love it. That's awesome. It's like, y'all are engaged here. That's good. Good to see. Awesome to have you on the Flames Talk postgame. Text line great tonight. Phone line's great tonight. Awesome stuff. Thank you for being engaged. It's time for our final summary as we start to wind things down on our Flames Talk postgame. Flames, Oilers, round one of this preseason Battle of Alberta. No scoring in the first period. The Flames scored the first goal of this game at 12.55 of the second period on an Elias Lindholm redirect in front of the net. Lindholm redirects home his first of the preseason from Jeremy Poirier and Ilya Solovyov, and the Flames led 1-0 after 40 minutes of play. They led 1-0 after 58 minutes of play, and uh, at the, in, in fact, right in the final minutes, of the third period, Flames thought that they had uh, scored the 2-0 goal. Michael Backlund had scored. It was 2-0, but it was waved off on the ice. It was waved off because it was deemed that Blake Coleman had interfered with Oilers goaltender Jack Campbell, so they waved it off. Flames decided to challenge that call, so it goes to video review. The challenge is not successful, so the Flames take a delay of game penalty and send the Oilers on the power play, and the Oilers score on that ensuing power play. Dylan Holloway ties the game with a minute 40 to go. Holloway's first of the preseason, unassisted at 18-20 on the power play, ties this game at one, sends this game to three-on-three overtime, and the Oilers win it at the 224 mark thanks to Brad Malone on the breakaway. Malone's first of the preseason from Seth Griffith at 224 to get us to our 2-1 final score. Final shots were 35-30 in favor of the Flames. Calgary 0 for 3 on the power play. Edmonton 1 for 5 with the man advantage. Your three stars tonight, number three, Nazem Kadri, number two, Dan Vladar, and number one, Jack Campbell. With the overtime loss, Flames fall to 3-1-1 one, one this preseason. They're back in action Monday at home to Winnipeg. While Edmonton improves to 2-1-1, one, one. they're back in action tomorrow, Saturday, on the road in Vancouver. That is your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Corey Sarich, for our on-site engineers, Tim Khalil and Jeff Mason, for our reporter, Matty Rose, and for our outstanding producer, as 
guys, I'm Nanji. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on our Flames Talk postgame show. We've been coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation for all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. As I mentioned, next up for the Flames, they host Winnipeg in preseason game 6 of 8 on Monday night. Final home preseason game is at 7 o'clock Monday, which means we're on the air with your Flames warm-up at 6 o'clock. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your weekend as we start to wrap things up on this Friday Flames Talk post-game show. Final score, Flames fall 2-1 in overtime to the Edmonton Oilers in preseason game number 5. This has been your Flames Talk post-game show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is CFAC 960 AM, Calgary, Alberta, Canada. A Rogers Sports and Media Radio Station. Flames Radio is only on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Thanks for listening. Sportsnet.ca slash 960 has games and times for the next Flames Radio broadcast. This is a copyright broadcast. No retransmission, streaming, recording, or copying of the broadcast in any way is allowed without the permission of the Calgary Flames Hockey Club and Sportsnet 960. Calgary's home for the Flames and the National Hockey League is Sportsnet 960 The Fan.